Welcome to the LifeGate Podcast. Our vision is changing lives in a changing culture with the unchanging truth. Our prayer is that these weekly messages will inspire you to life change through the principles found in God's Word. Let's join in for this week's message. Man, I'm telling you, I'm proud of the people of LifeGate. Aren't you proud of what God is doing in their lives? I'm so proud of Jeff and, and, and Cassie and the Rise. I love them so much, and God has brought them to, I mean, so far, and he's doing amazing things. If we could just get Jeff to like some better sports teams, I think we would be, like, really seeing some life change. But, man, I'm proud of you guys. And I'm telling you, this is what it's all about, isn't it? It's about the stories of lives that are being changed right right here at LifeGate Church. It's about the story that God is telling through every single one of us. In fact, that's what this series is about. And it's more than just a series. It's more than just four or five weeks of sermons. It's actually a journey that we are taking together as a church. It's a two-year journey that we are moving on as God is growing us and stretching us and taking us to places that we have never been. He is working in our story. But we've learned this one thing that's really been kind of the bottom line for this whole series, and that is this. Even though we're telling your story, even though you're hearing some of my story, really is not your story, is not my story, is not even our story. Whose story is it? Everybody tell me. It's God's story. It is His story. He is the author. In fact, that's what we've learned in this key passage for this series in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. It says that Jesus Christ is the author and finisher of our faith. He's the author. It's his story. It's all about him. And so what we're doing in this series and in this journey together is we're laying down the pen and we are allowing him to be the author of our lives. We are saying, God, we surrender our story to your story. Tell your story through us. Change us as we surrender our lives to your story, to your leadership, your authorship in our lives. And in order to do that, here's what we're going to have to do. You ready for this? In order to let God be the author of our story, here's what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to give everything to him. So everybody say, give everything. Give everything. Now I know some of you just freaked out a little bit because that word I just said, the word is give, right? In fact, some of you, like, when you hear that word, like, I mean, it just, like, your heart starts pounding when you hear that word in church. In fact, some of you today, you knew that the message was going to be about this for you. You even got in here, you saw your worship guide, and you saw that the title was Give It, and you were like, I don't know if I want to stay for that one, right? Some of you are even like, "Uh, you know, Ethel, grab the kids, and I'll get the car, and we're going to go ahead and get out during the announcement video before anybody notices, right? Because nobody likes it when you talk about giving at church. And I told you at the beginning of this series, I told you, hey, this is not going to be a series that is going to be all about giving. But I also told you that we would talk a little bit about giving. And the truth is, like, when we talk about this stuff, let's just be honest for a second. All right. It's uncomfortable. We talk about giving. In fact, this really leads me to my first point. If you're taking notes, you can write uh, the first point down is this, is that giving is a hard thing, isn't it? 
Like the truth is, like nobody likes it when the pastor talks about giving. It's it's uncomfortable. Like sometimes when that is announced that today's message is going to be about giving, all of the air is sucked out of the room because everyone's just like, oh, and everybody just tightens up just a little bit when you know that's going to be the subject for the day. I'm telling you, it's uncomfortable for you. And think about this for just a second. If it's uncomfortable for you, how do you think it feels for me? Right? I mean, some people think, well, I think Pastor Chad just likes talking about giving. Actually, sometimes I don't. Because here's what I know. People get funny when you talk about money. They do. In fact, here's what I know. It's like when I, when I announce that we're going to do a series on giving or we're going to talk about giving, here's what I can always count on. The attendance will be low during that series. I'm just like, I'm being honest. Here's what I can know. I can know that there are some people who will say things like this. All they care about is money. Some people will say it to me. Some people will say it to everyone else and not to me. But I know that it's said. Because here's the deal. Giving's hard. When you talk about money, man, it hits us really where it hurts. And why is it hard? Why is it hard to hear sermons about money? Why is it hard to talk about giving in church? I think it's because really at the very bottom line of everything in our lives is that truly in the natural, without Jesus on our own, we're pretty selfish beings. We look out for ourselves. We think about ourselves. We think about our stuff, our money. In fact, those of you that are parents here today, you know this. You don't have to teach your kids how to be selfish with their stuff. No, what do you have to teach them? You have to teach them how to share. You don't have to teach them how to, how to hold on to their own stuff. And here's the deal. It, it doesn't change as we get older. Like we have this, this desire to, to look out for number one, to take care of ourselves. And so when we start talking about giving and we start talking about money, we start talking about stuff like that, it becomes a little uncomfortable because naturally in our own human nature, we can be a little bit selfish sometimes. And why is that? I think there's, I think there's a couple things. In fact, if you're taking notes, you might write them down. The first one is that, that all of us have this desire to feel this, and, and we have this need to feel secure. Everybody say secure. secure. Don't we? Like we all have insecurities, don't we? And so what do we want more than anything so many times is we want this feeling of security. And here's what money does sometimes is that sometimes the more money that you have, sometimes the more you can kind of feel a little bit more secure. Like I've got enough that if anything happens, I'll be taken care of, right? Come on. And so this is the reason that it's hard to think about giving is because so many times we place so much of our security in the stuff that we have. In fact, we think about like, let me get more money and we place them in things that we actually call securities. Right. And what we're doing is we're looking out for ourselves to make sure that we're going to be okay if an emergency happened or if anything happened. We want to know that we are secure and that that we're okay. And so when we are challenged to give what is what is actually happening when I challenge you to give is that what I'm doing is I'm challenging your feeling of security. And that's why it's hard to hear because you're going, but, but man, if I have more money, then I'll feel more secure. And now they're asking me to give some of that. And that's taking away from my need and my feeling for security, right? Here's another one. I think another reason that, that giving is hard is because we all have this need, not just to feel secure, but we all have this need to feel significant. Don't we want to feel important, Right. We want to feel like, like, like we're important, like we're significant. And here's what we've done in our culture. We have attached significance to stuff. 
the more stuff I have, the more important I am. The more stuff I have, the more significant I feel. And, and here's what we've done. The stuff that we have, the amount of money in our bank account, the kind of car that we drive or the house we live in, the kind of clothes that we wear, all this kind of stuff. Here's what they are in our culture today. They are status symbols. All right. And so when someone challenges us to give a little bit of what we have, what it does is it actually challenges our status. It challenges our feeling of significance. And that's why we kick back just a little bit when we talk about giving. Here's another one is that the reason that giving is such a hard thing is because we all have this need and this desire to feel satisfied. And here's what we falsely believe. We falsely believe that stuff will satisfy us. And it's an easy thing to kind of believe because the truth is, for a while, stuff will satisfy you, right? I mean, how do you feel when you get that new truck, right? For a while, man, oh, this is cool. Like, man, I'm driving around and look how great I am. And you feel good for a while till that first payment comes due, right? You know what I'm saying? I mean, think about when you, when you go out to a nice dinner and you eat, like you eat a nice dinner, you feel full, you feel satisfied, but it's not long until you're hungry again. And so we put all of this, we put all of this, this feeling of satisfaction, thinking that if I have money, if I have stuff, then I will feel satisfied. But what we don't realize is that yes, those things satisfy for a while, but, but they don't, they don't satisfy forever. Like that feeling, it wears off, but can I just shake your world up just a little bit? There is something that will satisfy you and it'll satisfy way longer than the stuff that you get actually using your life, your time, your talent, your money, everything you have for something that makes a difference in someone else's life. I'm telling you, that's a feeling of satisfaction that won't wear off. In fact, it actually has been scientifically proven. There's a study that was done by the Wall Street Journal. They, they, wrote, they wrote this article called Hardwired Forgiving. And scientists, scientists actually studied, and, and they were trying to find out why do people give? Why do, they, why do they serve? Why do they do stuff? And here's what they found out. They actually found out that when you give or when you do something for someone else, there's actually a chemical that is released in your brain that actually causes you to feel pleasure. Man, it goes against everything that we would think in our culture. Survival of the fittest. Look out for me. Do everything for me. But science actually tells us what the Bible has been telling us for years, that there is a satisfaction that only comes by giving, by doing for others, that it actually chemically releases something in our brain that causes us to feel satisfaction and pleasure. But that's, that goes against everything we've been taught all of our life. That's why giving is so hard, because it goes right down to the heart of the matter. Giving is a hard thing because number two, write this one down, because giving is a heart thing. Everybody say a heart thing. It's a heart thing. I mean, you think about this, like giving exposes what we really love. Because if you love something, you'd be willing to give towards it. If you don't love something, if something doesn't have your heart, man, you ain't giving it anything, you know? And this is what we find even with God, like in, in the most famous scripture in the whole Bible, John three 16, I'm sure you probably all know it. What does it say? It says, God so loved the world that he what? That he gave his one and only son. Now look at this. I want you to see this. Loving and giving always go hand in hand. 
If you love something, guess what's going to be the response to that? That you're going to want to give something to the thing that you love. Why? It's a, it's a heart thing. We've said it so many times here before, but you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. It's true. Like, if you really love something, then, then the proof of your love is that you will want to give towards it. In fact, this is what the scripture says in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 that Jesus did for us. It says that God proved his love for us in this, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. What was the proof of God's love? That he gave his son. What was the proof of Jesus' love? That he gave his life, right? The proof of loving is giving. And it's the same for us. What has our heart will have everything else. The proof of our love will be that we will, that we will give. And when we think about, really, when we think about all that God gave for us, the only real reasonable response is that we would give ourselves back to him. Like, if he loved us that much that he gave his son, then if we love him, then wouldn't we just naturally want to give back to him? This is what Romans 12 and verse 1 and 2 is talking about. It says that since God has shown us such great mercy, then this is what we ought to do. He says, I beg you to offer your what? Your lives as a living sacrifice to him. That when we think about what God has given to us, that if we love him back, then the only reasonable response to that is to give ourselves, our lives, all that we have, Back to him. In fact, this is what Paul was talking about in 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 8. He says, since you excel in so many ways in your faith, in your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, your love for us. This is what I want you to also excel in. To excel in the gracious act of what? Everybody say the word. Of giving. I'm not commanding you to do this. In other words, Paul's saying, don't do this because you're commanded to do it. Do this for this reason. I'm I'm not commanding you to do this, but this is what I'm doing. I'm testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches. In other words, Paul is saying, we don't give because we're commanded to give. We give because it's what tests whether we really love or not. The proof of our love Is that we would give. If we love God, then giving will flow naturally from us. And I know what some people say. Like when we talk about giving and we talk about tithing, we talk about that kind of stuff. I know I I, sometimes as a pastor, I get stuff like this. Well, isn't that tithing thing? Like, isn't that an Old Testament deal? Like, I mean, aren't we in the New Testament now? We're under the new covenant and we don't have to obey all the commands of the Old Testament anymore. We're not Jewish and all, all those kinds of things. And here's what I will tell you. Answer to that question is, yeah. You don't have to tithe. You don't. I mean, that's an Old Testament thing. But can I tell you this? That when Jesus came, he didn't come to abolish the law. You know what he came? He came to change the motivation of the law. He didn't come to say you no longer have to obey or you should no no longer obey the law. He came and he said this. He said, I still want you to obey the law, but here's what I want. I want you to do it now for different reasons. Not because you have to, but now because you want to. In fact, when Jesus talked to the Pharisees, the only thing that he actually said they were doing right was that they were tithing. But the problem was not that they were obeying the law. The problem was they were obeying it for the wrong reasons. It wasn't, it's not that Jesus doesn't want us to do the stuff in the Old Testament. It's that he doesn't want us to do the stuff in the Old Testament just because we have to. He wants us to do it because we want to, because we love God. I mean, I've told you this illustration before. Let me tell you again, though. I mean, just imagine this. All right. Do not commit adultery. That's an Old Testament law, too. Right. 
But here's the deal. I don't, obey, you know, I don't not commit adultery on my wife because the law says I, I'm not supposed to do that. No, why, why do I not commit adultery? Because I love my wife. Right? And it's the same thing. When we give, it's not because we have to. It's, it's, it's a, that's the wrong motivation. It's because we want to. Because love is in our hearts. See, giving is a love thing. It's not a law thing. It's not, about, it's not about a commandment. It's about the fact that we are compelled by our love for God to say, man, I want to give everything that I have to him. It's a hard thing. And the reason it's such a hard thing is because it's a heart thing. But number three, write this one down. Giving is an honor thing. Everybody looks at your neighbor and say, honor. It's, a, it's an honor thing. In fact, how many of you who are here today, as a follower of Christ, you would say, what I want to do with my life is I want to honor God. Come on, right? Isn't that, shouldn't that be like our number one thing? I want to live my life to honor and to please God. And so here's the deal. There are lots of ways that we can honor God. But one way that we honor God is by being obedient to what his word says about giving. In fact, in Proverbs chapter 3, I want us to dive deep into this passage here for a minute. In Proverbs chapter 3, I want us to see what it says in verse number 9 about honor and how we honor God. Look what it says. It says, honor the Lord... With your wealth and with the first fruit of your crops. Right here in this verse, the Bible teaches us how we can honor God with our lives. It says that we should honor God with our wealth and with the first fruits of all of our crops. And basically, this is what the scripture is telling us. This is how you honor God. How many want to know how to honor God? Here's how you honor God. You honor God. In fact, you might want to write this one down. You honor God by giving him what he wants when he wants it, and how he wants it. Everybody say that with me. We give God what he wants, when he wants it, and how he wants it. Now, two of you were moving your mouth, so we're going to try that again. We want to honor God by giving him what he wants, when he wants it, and how he wants it. All right? In fact, let me illustrate it like this. How many parents do I have in the house today? Those of you that are parents today. All right? Here's the deal. How many know... That, that the Bible actually teaches that we should honor our parents. Come on, all the teenagers in the house hear that right now. And all the parents said, amen, and thank you, pastor, right? The Bible tells us that we actually honor God by honoring our parents. And those of you that are parents, here's what, here's what I know as a parent, that I am honored by my kids when they do what I want them to do, when I want them to do it, and how I want them to do it. Come on, right? All the parents in the house. I mean, for instance, just imagine that I tell my teenage girls, hey, I want you to clean your room, right? Okay, now here's the deal. It's not enough that they just know that I want them to clean their room. It's not enough that they even believe that I want them to clean their room. They got to, what? Clean their room. They've got to do what I want. But here's the deal. Even if they clean their room, if they don't do some other stuff, they may have done, they may have obeyed me, but they haven't yet honored me, right? So they don't, they, they may obey me by cleaning their room, but there's more to it than that. It's not just, hey, I want you to clean your room. And it's not just, I know that dad wants me to clean my room and I go and clean my room. It's that, hey, I got to do it when dad wants me. So I say, hey, I need you to clean your room. And guess what is happening? Thanksgiving, family's coming over. So they're going to be here on Thursday. So on Wednesday, before Thursday, I want you to clean your room, right? So it's not just do what I want. It's do it like when I want you to do it 
And it's not just do it when I want you to do it. It's like how I want you to do it. All right. It's not just, hey, I want you to clean your room. I want you to do it on Wednesday before everyone comes on Thursday. It's I want you to do it with a smile on your face. (laughs) Come on, parents. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want no grumbling. I don't want no complaining. I don't want no slamming doors. I don't want no. No, I want you to do it with the right attitude. And I want you to do it well. I don't want you to just go in there, shove everything under the bed and in the closet and close the door. No, I want you to get under the bed and that crusty sandwich that's underneath there, pull that out, take it and throw it in the trash. All those cups that you have in your room, come on, go get them, bring them to the, come on, you know what I'm saying? Bring them to the sink, clean them out, put them in the dishwasher. I want you to do what I want you to do, when I want you to do it, and how I want you to do it. And when you do that, guess what happens? As a dad, I am honored. I'm not just obeyed. I'm honored. And guess what, guys? This is the way it is with God. God wants us to do what he wants us to do, when he wants us to do it, and how he wants us to do it. And when we do that, here's what happens. We honor God. This is what the scripture is talking about. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all of all of that you have, with all of your crops. So here's some of you say, okay, that's cool. Like, all right, I'm going to do what God wants. I'm going to do it when he wants it. I'm going to do it how he wants it. So what does God want? When does he want it? How does he want it? We'll write these down. Number one, what does God want? I'll tell you what he wants. All of you. Every bit. Everything that you have. Here's how you honor God. You honor God by giving him everything. In fact, that's what the scripture says right there. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Now I know some of you are going, well, that leaves me out because I ain't wealthy. I ain't got, I ain't got no wealth. And I will tell you, first of all, you are wealthy. I mean, if you make more than $45,000 in a year, did you know that you're actually in the top 4% of all wage earners in all of the world? I would say that's pretty much everyone here. You're in the top four or 5% of all wages. So guess what? You are wealthy. But that's not even what it's talking about, actually. When it's talking about honor God with your wealth, what it's talking about is this talking about everything that I have. I honor God with everything. In fact, the, the message version of this scripture says, honor God with everything. See, what does God want from you? Not much. Just everything. You know, I mean... That's what he wants. In fact, this is what Jesus said when he was asked, what's the most important commandment? Like what, basically he was asked, what does God want from us more than anything? What does he, what does he say? He says, here's what God wants, that you would love him with what? With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all of your strength. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, here's what God wants from you. He wants everything. All your wealth, all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength, everything that you have, this is what God wants. Wants. And I know we get hung up sometimes on, you know, the tithe deal and is it a 10%? Do we have to do that and all that? And we, and we get hung up on all of that kind of stuff. And let's don't get hung up on that. Let's just know this. God doesn't just want 10%. You know what he wants? Everything. And for those of us that say, well, that's an Old Testament thing. Okay, let's be New Testament. In the New Testament, you know what they did? They didn't give 10%. You know how much they gave? All of it. If you don't believe me, go read Acts chapter 2. You know what they did? They got all their stuff, brought it to the church, and gave it all to God. Even to the point where many of them gave their whole lives. They died as martyrs, giving themselves for Jesus. What does God want for us? from us? Everything. Amen. Number two, when does he want it? You ready for this? He wants it first. Everybody say first. When does he want it? He wants it first. That's what it says. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the what? With the first fruits of all of your labor. You know, when we talk about giving guys, really, it's not a giving thing. 
It's not, it's not even a money thing. You know what it really is? It's an order thing. It's a priority thing. God, God doesn't want your money. You know what he really wants? He wants to be the first thing in your life. He wants to be priority. He wants to be king, Lord. He wants to be, he wants to, he wants to be in charge of your life. He wants to, he wants to be first. And man, this is so hard because, because I'm telling you, the reason that giving is so hard is because there's nothing in our lives that competes for our attention and competes for priority more than money. And the problem is, is that there cannot be two number ones. There can't. You say, well, we could have one A and one B. You still got an A and a B. There cannot be two number ones. There cannot be two kings. You know, it drives me nuts in this world that we live in where it's like, hey, we're going to have co-champions or everyone gets a trophy. No! Right? You got a winner and a loser and there can only be one. And guess what, guys? There can only be one winner in your life. There can only be one king of your life. And this is why giving is such a hard thing to hear and talk about. It's why it's so uncomfortable when we talk about stuff like this. Because here's what Jesus said about it, that no man can serve two masters. You know, love the one, hate the other. And then, then he gets specific about what those two masters that are competing for each other are. He says, you can't love both God and serve both God and money. What is he saying? He's saying, here's the issue in your life that's going to be the biggest issue. The thing that's going to fight for your heart more than anything else is your finances. And so you got to get to this point where you say, here, I'm going to give God what he wants, when he wants it, how he wants it. What does he want? He wants all of me. When does he want it? First. He wants to be first in my life. How does he want it? Write this down. From the heart. How does God want it? See, he doesn't want you to give because the pastor preached a sermon on giving. He doesn't want you to give because the Bible says that we should give, although those are, those are good reasons. But here's the reason he wants you to give. He wants you to give because you love him. Amen. He wants the motivation of your heart to say, God has given all for me. And now I want to give all for him. I want him to be Lord and first in my life. In fact, this is what the scripture is talking about in the book of in the book of 2 Corinthians 9 and 7, it says that each one of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for the Lord loves what? A, a cheerful giver. I know my dad, when I was growing up, he used to say, the Lord loves a cheerful giver, but he'll also take it from a grouch, you know? <laughs> and I guess that's true, but that's not really what God wants. He doesn't want you to give because you were compelled to give by someone motivating you or some rule that I have to. No, he wants you to give because you have joy in your heart, because you love God and you're so grateful for what he has done for you that you just can't help but let it flow out of you. I mean, for instance, we take back to the, the parenting thing and whatever. Like if my kids, if I want them to clean their room, if they clean their room, but their attitude stinks and, and they don't do it when I want them and how I want them and all that kind of stuff, I'll take it. At least their room is cleaned. But I wasn't honored in that. But man, I'm telling you, when they clean their room with a joyful heart, they do it when I want it and get it all done and go above and beyond and do that. Guess what happens? Like my, my heart is open towards them. I'm like, you guys did awesome. I feel so honored. Everyone get in the car. We're going for ice cream. You know what I'm saying? Right? And guess what? God is the same. Like when we give to him all of ourselves, 
We put him first in our lives and we do it joyfully because we love him and because we want to. Guess what happens? He is honored in our lives and then his heart opens up to us in such a way that he just wants to give back to us. And can I tell you guys, there is benefit in being generous because the more generous you are, the more God's going to want to be generous to you. And you can't out give God. The more you give, the more he's going to give back to you. In fact, that's what it says right there in our verse. It says that if we will honor God with the with our wealth and with the first fruits of all of that of that we have, then here's what's going to happen. Then our barns will be full. In other words, he's saying, then God will bless and he will give back to you more than you could even imagine. The scripture says it like this, that if we will give, he will give back to us good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. It will be poured into our lives. See, giving is a hard thing. It is. Why? Because it's a heart thing. But man, it's an honor thing. I honor God when I give him what he wants, when he wants it, the way that he wants it, when I put him first, when I give him all of me, when I, when I do it out of love and compassion and out of being a part of his family, then I can experience his blessings in my life. So some of you go, oh, man, I, this is hard. It is. And it really all comes down to one thing, one little word. In fact, it's a word that is just it's found in this passage that's just two verses before the one that we studied today in Proverbs chapter 3. We looked at verse 9, but if you go, I guess it's four verses back to Proverbs 3 and verse 5. It's, it's a verse that we all know. It's the one that gets put behind a sunset, you know, and you put it on Instagram or you find it on a plaque that you get at Hobby Lobby and put on your wall, right? We know it. And, and what does it say? It says... Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. We don't necessarily, we don't necessarily put this verse with the next couple of verses about giving. But in context, it's really kind of what it's about. God is saying, here's what I want you to do. Trust me. Trust me with your finances. And if you will, then guess what I'll do? I'll bring my blessings in your life. You know, it reminds me of this story I heard about this guy named Charles Blondin. Charles Blondin was a tightrope walker way back in the, I think it was the 1600s. You may have heard of him before. I mean, he was, he was world famous. Like he would, he would walk the tightrope across, I mean, across the Grand Canyon and across like the Royal Gorge. One time he even walked a tightrope across the, across Niagara Falls and huge crowds would come out to see this man perform these incredible feats. And I mean, he didn't just walk the tightrope. Like he would, he would take a chair, put it out in the middle of the tightrope, put it on two legs and sit there and read a book. I mean, just crazy stuff. He would ride bicycles across the tightrope. He would do it blindfolded and backward. And one time at Niagara Falls, the the rope is across the falls and thousands of people are gathered around and he brought out a wheelbarrow. And he said to the crowd, how many of you think that I could carry this wheelbarrow across, across Niagara Falls on this tightrope? And the crowd went wild. Yes, we think you can do it. He said, how many of you believe that I could carry this wheelbarrow across? And all everybody said, yes, we believe you can do it. He said, how many of you trust that I could do this wheelbarrow across the tightrope, across Niagara Falls? And all the crowd says, yes, we know, we believe, we think, we trust. And he says, now how many of you will get in the wheelbarrow? And the crowd was silent. And here's the deal. There's a difference between believing 
and trusting. Believing says, yeah, I know, Pastor, that's right. Trusting says, I'll get in the wheelbarrow and I'll step out in faith. And I'll trust that if I'll just obey God's word and do what God asked me to do, that I will experience everything that he said that I would experience. That if I will trust the Lord, if I will honor him with my wealth, with the first fruit of my crops, then what will happen? He will pour out blessings. My barns will be overflowing. My life will be overflowing with his blessing, not just financially, but in every single way. And that's what this series and this journey has been about. I know everyone can say, that's a series about money. No, it's not a series about money. You know, it's a series about trust. It's about, will I trust God with what I have? Will I honor him by giving him what he wants, when he wants it, how he wants it? And when he does that, man, and when I do that, then he can do his thing in my life. And so this is all we're asking everyone to do. Just take a step. Take a step of faith. Step out. Step up. Wherever you're at. We challenged you in the first week of this series. Wherever you're at. If you're not giving anything, just take a step up, start giving something. If you're giving something, take a step up, give a little bit more. If you're giving consistently but not tithing, take a step up and become a tither. If you're a tither, take a step up and become a generous giver because the deal is every time you step up, God's going to step up his blessings in your life if you will just.